If you have your Bibles, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I want to cannot not talk about a little bit about Pentecost. It fits into the message. Uh, so you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you, do it? will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power, this is Jesus, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up in a cloud and took him out of their sight. So I'm going to stop there for a second. This wasn't like a, he was gone, right? He was, he was just lifted on a cloud. That's pretty cool. I mean, how would you like to just be in that cloud? Right? That cloud's going through the, all eternity like, I was that guy. Right? I was that cloud. But he was, the Bible says he was lifted. It wasn't a rocket launch. He just lifted. Right? Lifted. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him Go into heaven. The same way he's leaving, he's going to come back. That cloud may get to work twice. That cloud's going to get two times, right? And Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, which is today, they were all together in one place. I think the King Jimmy says one accord, right? That's why we have a Honda Accord at my house, right? Bob Bob, uh, Clark has a Honda Accord, so we're all in one accord when we're in that. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. The title of the message this morning is simply called, Where Are You Going? Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we thank you that this day and what it represents to the body of Christ uh, is a moment in time that is etched on the timeline of the church's history. This is where we began. This is where the church started. Uh, so, Lord, we thank you for this powerful moment. Lord, speak to us today through your word. Challenge us, change us, point us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit arrives. Now, Jesus was on the planet for 40 days. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He was on the planet for 40 days after his resurrection. He ascends to heaven. This is what we read about in Acts chapter 1. He then told the disciples and everybody that was there to tarry in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And then we pick up in verse 2, or chapter 2, where it actually 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit actually falls on the place. We're here to celebrate that. We're here to point that out. Pentecost Sunday is the birth of the church. The birth of the church. We're going to have cupcakes tonight to celebrate the church's birthday too. Right? We're going to be celebrating the church's birthday. Not living faith church, but the church. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ. Happy birthday, church! Everybody say happy birthday. That's right. This day marks the beginning of how the church of Jesus has impacted the world, through the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. The power of God's Spirit came to earth. Now power can be used 
Now, 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 if we're honest, power can be used in three ways, can't it? Power can be used in three ways, right? Power can be in the natural. It can be unleashed, it can be harnessed, or it can be suppressed, right? Let's be honest. You've got power, you can do one of three things with it. You can, you can unleash it, you can harness it, or you can suppress it. The energy, and if, I, and if I had it, I've thought about doing this. It probably went over well. Actually, the kids, this is the fifth Sunday. That's why the kids are in the sanctuary. Every fifth Sunday, which is only like four a year, uh, they actually come to hang out with us in the sanctuary. Um, so if they're a little noisy, I'll just be noisier, okay? Uh, but I was going to do this, but I, it, I didn't think the trustees would really appreciate what I was going to do, so I just stayed out of it. But if I went and bought a gas, two gallons of gas and put it in a gas can, Right? And if, what, what would happen to that gas can if I dropped a match in it? It's going to explode. It's going to, be, it's going to be unleashed. Right? It's going to be unleashed. Now, what happens if I take that same two gallons of gas and I pour it into my Jeep? Now I've harnessed it. Now I've put that energy into something that will harness and will use that energy safely, but at the same time, it'll get me where I want to go. Now, two, now two gallons of gas is not going to get that Jeep very far, I promise. It's going to get me, it might get me to Taste Valley, right? I get about 20 miles a gallon, so it's not going to get me very far. Now, if you've got a little uh, Honda Swift or something, you've got a little uh, Chevy Spark, you might get from here to Myrtle Beach on two gallons of gas, right? And I get it, gas prices is high. I filled my tank up this week for $20, my lawnmower. Right? Fill my mother up. Woo! Uh, but but you, can, you can harness that energy. You can unleash that energy. Or you can suppress it. Right? You can just leave it in the can. You can just leave that two gallons of gas in the can back in the shed where nobody knows what it is. It's so far in the corner, you don't even know if you have a gas can. Huh? You don't even know you got a gas can. How many of you ever been there before? No, I have a gas can. I just can't find it. Then you go buy a gas can, and what happens when you buy a gas can? You find the gas can, right? You find the very can you didn't think you had. Now you got two cans. You actually may have four, because there may be three more hanging around, right? But you can do, that's how power, that's what happens to power. And what happened here at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was unleashed on planet Earth. They dropped the match, boom! Explosion. He showed up in that upper room. 120 people, the Bible tells me, were gathered in that upper room. An explosion happened. He was unleashed. But guess what has happened since? We now have harnessed that. We've now put that same Holy Spirit in this engine we call the church. Right? And now he's energizing us and motivating us and pushing us and driving us and guiding us and leading us. Why? Because we've harnessed it. And let me tell you this. Harnessing something isn't a bad thing. Right? Harnessing doesn't mean I'm controlling it. Harnessing just means I can push the gas and get somewhere. Right? I can just push the gas and get somewhere. And that's what's happened. On that day, the explosion happened. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got into the gas tank of the church. And now He is energizing us and pushing us and driving us. It's good stuff. Or you're suppressing it. Gas is so high, I'm just going to buy three gallons and put it in for a rainy day. Well, it's raining. Right? <laughs> right? I'll never forget Caleb was telling me one of their best pictures at Capitol High this, this summer or this spring. You know, Capitol didn't have a great season. They had a really good sectional. I mean, they won some games in the postseason. Probably won just as many games in the postseason as in the regular season. 
Um, and I was like, he said, yeah, our best pitcher hasn't pitched for 14 days. I said, dude, you're 3-15. and 15. What are you saving him for? You know what I mean? Well, who, who are you holding him back for? And that's what I, sometimes I say to us as a church. What are we waiting for? What are we, wait, what are we waiting on? Well, I, want, I just want the right crap. No, what are you waiting on? Right? Sometimes I think we need an explosion again. Right? Sometimes we need to take the gas tank off, put a match in it. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, do your thing. Right? Sometimes we need an explosion. I visited Niagara Falls um, several years ago. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? How many of you have not been to Niagara Falls? See if you're, okay, good. Fair. So if I'm being perfectly honest with you, it's only about a six-hour drive from here. It's really not that far. You go up to Cleveland and cut across about two hours from there. It's actually really cool to see. I don't think you ought to do it one day, Scott, which you probably would try. Uh, but it's actually really cool to see. And what I found out when I was visiting Niagara Falls, uh, I was on a business trip, and we just happened to, to go there. And we, we flew into Detroit, and then we realized we were four hours from Niagara Falls because <laughs> uh, we were in Sarnia, not Narnia, Sarnia, Canada, which is right across the river or the lake from, uh, from Detroit. And we thought, I'm going to be in Canada. Let's go see Niagara Falls. No one thought to look at a map to see how far it was. Buffalo is right beside Niagara Falls, not Detroit, right? So anyway, we drove four hours. My boss at the time, Gary Annerly, drove four hours one way. I said, well, we're in Canada. I got to see Niagara Falls, right? Probably shouldn't have, but we did. We drove all the way, hang out for a couple hours in Niagara Falls. But what I found out is it comes off at 100,000 cubic feet per second. That's a lot of water. Per second. It's just rolling over. When I was reading and studying at night, at certain times, that hydroelectric plant up the river, they tweak a few things and it comes out at 50,000 cubic foot per second. They suppress it. They do that for electricity. They do that to, in the natural, they do that to, to generate electricity. But I want to bring a spiritual connotation to that when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So many times we want this flow to be in here just 100,000 cubic foot a second in the church sanctuary, right? Woo! 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 And we get out there, we're barely a cubic foot a second. Right? You can't suppress it. You can't suppress the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. And that's the best illustration I could give you. I was like, you mean they turn Niagara Falls down? I mean, I, I mean you can't see it at night, so it don't matter. But, but they actually turn it down. I mean, they cut it in half. The flow. I'm sure it's still flowing over. Don't get me wrong, it's still impressive. But th- we do that with the Holy Spirit. And, I, and the reason I bring that up, it's the day of Pentecost. This is when he showed up. This day, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit showed up just as Jesus said he would. Pentecost was an explosion, a match drop that ignited the church. And that match was the Holy Spirit. Today, the Holy Spirit is still the fuel that moves the church, that motivates men and women of God to go into all the world. 120 people ended up in the upper room. According to 1 Corinthians 15, though, there were 500 in Galilee that day and watched Jesus ascend to heaven. Everybody say 500. 500. Now, I'm not the brightest mathematician my phone helps me more now than ever, right? You've got a calculator on your phone, right? I actually saw, there's some really funny math memes out there. I don't know. Yeah, if you're, you, you just want to see some funny math memes. I mean, some people just don't get it, but that I get it. Uh, 500 minus 120 is 380, right? 
300, 500 people saw Jesus ascend on a cloud. Saw two angels standing beside him, then declaring, why are you gazing? He's coming back the same way he left. They heard Jesus say, stay until the Spirit comes upon you. Yet 380 people left. 380 people disappeared. Right? There was probably conspiracy theorists on Facebook. Well, they weren't really Jesus. Do you really think a cloud could hold Jesus? Right? I mean, all these conspiracy theorists rolled in, and all of a sudden, 380 people, for some reason, just disappeared. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I think if I was saw Jesus sending into heaven, that would have changed my life, I think. I mean, I think that. But for some reason, 380 people didn't stay. Maybe they waited five days. Maybe they waited six days. Maybe they waited nine and a half days. Maybe they didn't wait any days. Maybe 500 went to 400 after the first day. But for some reason, 380 people in a 10-day window disappeared. They forgot the very thing they saw. They forgot the very thing they heard. And what was supposed to motivate them has now distracted them. I can almost see Barry and Steve. Standing there in Galilee. I was going to do Stephen Barry's, but you know, you already got the joke. So all this, I just did Stephen Barry. So all this, all this, they, they stood there and they saw Jesus ascending. I don't know. I mean, I, if, I had a, on my, if, if I was there, that would be a pretty monumental moment on my timeline of my life, right? right? I, I mean, that would have been a pretty dramatic moment to see. I, I, gosh, we just blow it off like, oh, Jesus, we're in a cloud. Dude, that, I mean, that miraculous stuff just happened, and yet 308 people disappeared. But here we find Barry and Steve. They're standing there, and they're gazing. There's a jaws drop, like, what, what are we seeing, right? Pinch me, is this real? Angels show up, crowd's excited. There's a buzz in the air. Then Steve gets a text. It's from his boss. Don't forget, I need you here at 7 a.m. in the morning. Barry looks at Steve. Steve's walking off. Steve looks at the text, starts walking. Barry looks at Steve and says, where are you going? Where are you going? Steve just keeps walking. 380 people just walked away. And if I could look back in time, I would ask them, where are you going? And that's the title of the message this morning. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? You ever been asked that question? Where are you going? Right? When you, when you were 16 and you had keys and you had a license and you were able to drive, that question would come up a lot, wouldn't it? Where are you going? Mountain closes at 9. That's what they'd say over in Mashford. Got to be back before dark. I'm like, there ain't a gate. They actually, I mean, that's what they say. Be back before dark. Like, why? <laughs> it's the same road. Right? It's the same road to get to Ashford whether it's midnight or noon. It really is. There's no special turn. It's the same lines on both sides. It works the same, feels the same, looks the same. But that's what I was told. Be back by nine. Be back before dark. Right? Why dark? Of course, we could get into that anyway. Where are you going? I've asked my kids that question a lot. Where are you going? Hey, I'm going down the road. Where are you going? I'll be back. And they ran out the door, right? Then they get offended that you're asking the question. Why are you asking that? Well, I, I pay the car payment. I put gas in it. 
I pay the insurance. I pay the property taxes. I pay the license fee. That's why I'm asking that question. Because it's my car! Right? It's my car! But they get offended. I'm going to tell my teacher. Who cares what your teacher thinks? It's my car! You go take her car and see what she says. Where are you going? <laughs> right? Kids say, you can't ask me that question. Yeah, I can. And I did. We ask that question because we want to know. We ask that question because we know what the Bible verse says. Bad company corrupts good character. That's what the Bible says. I want to know who you're hanging with. I want to know who you're going to mall with. I want to know why you're going to Starbucks to get a $12 coffee at 5 o'clock in the evening. And it's cold at that. Right? I'm not a coffee person, so pastor's shirt. That's just a whole lot of Jesus for me. Right? It's cold coffee. That doesn't even make sense to me. But anyway, iced coffee. It's not coffee. It's a, if I'm going to put ice in, I want a Coke. Am I wrong? Is there anything better than a Mexican Coca-Cola? You go to a Mexican restaurant, don't they have the best Coke? There are so much ice in it. It's just so strong. It'll make your eyes water when you drink it. So, yeah! If I'm going to put ice in something, just give me a Coca-Cola. Want coffee? Anyway, where are you going? We ask that question because we want to know. And as parents, we have a right, don't we? We have a right to ask that question. I'm concerned about the safety of my child, too. I'm concerned about them. Remember the verse, bad company corrupts good character. This, this applies to the question I'm asking. That's why I'm asking the question. Now, honestly, I want to ask all you adults. I didn't know the kids were going to be in here, but forgot how many of you have ever lied at some time in your life when someone says, where are you going? <laughs> All right? Let's be honest. Cordell, you can raise your hand. You've lied probably. Told somebody. Yeah, I, I'm, going, I'm going down the road to see Bobby. Right? You go see Victoria. We know what's going on. <laughs> right? Right? We all, we've done that. Right? We've all, we've all like, well, what? Now, maybe you were going to buy a present for your mom. Right? And you couldn't tell her where you were going, right? Um, but we've all done that. We've all said, well, I'm just going out. I'm hanging out with Kevin. And Kevin's in the desert. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, I'm hanging out with Kevin in Ashford. I'm lying. You know what I mean? We do that to protect where we're going. We want to hide that. But how many of you would admit to me today, you don't want your kids to make the same mistakes as you? You don't want them to not tell the truth. You don't want them to not tell you where you're going, right? And it's a double standard, right? And I tell my kids all the time, I said, when your kids are here and they're old enough, you'll get it. The light will come on. It's like, wow, that's why. That's why. Where are you going? Everyone is going somewhere. It's just the facts. We're all headed somewhere. Every plane at an airport has a destination. Every car on the road today is going somewhere. Someone is going to work. Someone is going on vacation. Someone is going to the mall. Someone is going to war. Someone is going to school. Someone is going to visit family. Some are going home. Some are just going for the ride. But everyone is going somewhere. Everybody. Some people purposefully going are going where they are headed. In other words, I intentionally am headed here. I'm going there on purpose. They're purposefully doing that. Some people do not like where they are headed. Some are thrilled. 
of where they're headed and their direction. Others are dreading where they're going. Some have been where they are and they're going back because they liked it. It was a good time. Someone is making the trip for the very first time. The common factor remains. Everyone is going somewhere. So my question to you this morning, and I'm going to beat it into the ground for the next two weeks, because I, I had like 10 pages of notes, which is crazy. I, I usually don't do that. I usually have three or four pages for a sermon. I had 10 pages. 10. I said, God, this is going to have to be like a two-parter. <laughs> like, I'm not going to preach till 8, 8 o'clock tonight, and I've got to get the brisket off the smoker sometime. Right? right? Got to be all smoke. This week's question is, where are you going? We've discussed the last two weeks, who are you in week one, right? We asked the question, who are you? Wanted you to take inventory of who you are as an individual, who you are as a person, right? Who are you? Last week, we talked about where are you? Where are you? Once you know who you are, then you need to know where you are, right? We talked about the prodigal son. He was in the pig pen. He woke up one day and said, whoa, I don't like where I'm at. What did he do? He made a decision and he went back to his father, right? We talked about not, not playing the blame game last week. You have to know where you are, then you can't play the blame game. It can't be everybody else's fault. Right? I told you the story of when I got hit by a car in Ashford, West Virginia, and I looked up and it was my grade school principal when I was in sixth grade. Right? I shouldn't have been riding in the middle of the road, but at the same time, he shouldn't have been doing 90 mile an hour in a blind curve. And we can talk all day about whose fault it was, but I think we both were at fault. Just as much my fault as it was his. Yet we want to blame everybody else for what we're going through. Maybe we created this moment in time. Maybe it didn't happen yesterday. Maybe it happened 20 years ago. Maybe it happened 35 years ago. The Bible says, what you plant, you will reap. What you sow, you will reap. It's spiritual law. I can't change it. If you plant tomatoes, what are you going to get? If you plant watermelon, what are you going to get, Amanda? Watermelon, right? I've never seen anybody plant a watermelon seed and pray to God for a potato. Right? But isn't that how we act in the spiritual? God, I know this is a watermelon seed. I really want a potato, though. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord! Right. He, can't, he can't change the law. What you put in the ground. And maybe what you're going through, you've, it was planted years and years and years and years ago, and now... Here we are. Can't play the blame game. Can't. We don't get to do that. Oh, we do. I mean, we do get to do it, but it doesn't work. That makes sense. It doesn't, it's not relevant. And then our last point last week is we need to start preventing fires, not celebrating putting fires out. Right? I'm a good fireman. Where? Put a fire out. Man, I would rather not have a fire. Right? I told you, it's easier to repair something than to rebuild something. Last week, I told you that. It's easier to repair it than to have to completely rebuild it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. Where are you going? Where are you going? Last week, we discussed where are you. This week, we're talking about where we're going. You may feel like your life is okay right now. Everything is fitting nicely in the box called life. 
your life at that. Some of you are not okay with where you are right now. Life has taken a sudden turns with sudden drops. While you might have seen it coming or thought it might happen, you didn't know it would be this hard. And here you are. Some of you are just planning to be lucky. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to be lucky. Let me state this. If your plan is to be lucky, that's not a plan. That is no plan, right? No plan. We're all going somewhere. You may feel while you are not exactly where you want to be, but you think you are close enough that it will be okay. Listen, if a plane leaves New York City to fly to Israel, they're flying to Tel Aviv, right? You get on the 747. I don't know. I don't know if it makes 747s anymore, but uh, you get on a big airplane, right? They get, there are big airplanes. When I flew to China, it was a big airplane. Uh, you get on this huge airplane, and you fly to Tel Aviv. Do you know if, if, if when they take off from New York City, if they're off by one degree? Bill, you're a pilot. You, you get this. If, if that flight is off one degree when they leave New York City, and they never correct it, they'll end up in Moscow. True story. One degree north. If they're off one degree north, the entire duration of the flight, they end up 1,600 miles from where they wanted to go. Just one degree, man. Just one degree. That's how far one degree will take you. The wrong way. It matters. It matters. Just being okay or think I'm, I think I'm close enough. I don't know. I don't want to be. I think I'm close enough. I want to know I'm close. I want to know where I'm at. I want to know where I'm going. Every road leads somewhere, doesn't it? Every highway, freeway, or driveway, they all take you somewhere. These roads and paths, they lead where they lead, regardless of who's on it. Right? Regardless of who is on the road, it's leading where it's leading. You can't change it. If we all get on 64 West today and take off driving, guess what? You can't change the fact that you're on 64 West unless you get off and head 64 East. But you can't change it. If you don't make any turns, you don't make any decisions to get off that road and go another direction, you will always be on 64 West until it ends. You can't change it. You can't change the destination because you're on that road. I can't take 64 West and get to Myrtle Beach. I mean, you can. You'll end up on 75 and then... You're doing all kinds of things. But 64 West in its entirety will not get me to Myrtle Beach. It won't happen. So every road leads where it leads. Whether you want it or not, it's where it leads. You can't change it. You can't change that fact. The same thing can be said about our spiritual lives. There are paths that lead to predictable places. There are, in the spiritual, there are two big ones, aren't there? Heaven and hell. Just what it is. Not going to sugarcoat it. Not trying to scare you. But I'm also trying to tell you the truth. Those are the big ones. Those are the two that matter the most. We're all on a path to one of those places. It's the road you're on. It's where it's headed. You can't change the road. You don't get to change the road. You don't get to it. It, it leads where it leads. I know that sounds harsh. And I'm just being honest with you all today. That's why I wanted you all to wear t-shirts, because I wanted you to be comfortable. 
But I also want to be honest with myself. And I ask the question, where are you going? Where are you going? It's a question that we all have to answer. You have to answer that question. I told you a couple weeks ago, you can answer every question on the test and still fail the test. Right? If it's a 50-question test, I can answer every single question and still fail. Just answering the question doesn't mean you got the question right. It matters. Right maps, wrong maps. How many of you would agree with me there are certain things we should follow and certain things we shouldn't follow in life? There are maps that lead us to good things and maps that lead us to bad things. I remember those paper maps. You'd always get them at the, the, the welcome centers. Remember that back in the day? I mean, they were folded so nice and neat. You ever notice when you unfold one of those, you can never get it back where it belonged? I mean, South Carolina was supposed to be on the front. And when you got done with it, it was somewhere in the middle. You know, the picture of South Carolina. You know, but I remember my mom Betty. Uh, Mama Betty was a queen of maps. She had a map for from here to Myrtle Beach. She had Virginia. She had she may even had West Virginia. Uh, she had Virginia. She had North Carolina. She had South Carolina. And if we would get off, or somebody would go one degree the wrong direction, all right, I would see Mama Betty over on the hood, and she had that whole map wrapped out, and she's mapping out the, how we're supposed to go. Right? There are good maps, there are right maps, and there are wrong maps. But you, we don't use those anymore. I mean, they still, I think they still have them. Maybe if you go to Welcome Center. But now everybody's got a phone, right? You just use your maps on your phone. Uh, But over the next two weeks, I want to look at some right maps and wrong maps in our lives that are guiding us, that are leading us. I want to look at things that we need to realize to get on the right road, leading to a destination that we want to get to. So I ask the question, where are you going? Number one, point one. I got two points for today. We'll blow through it really quick, I promise. Uh, Turn to Proverbs 27, 12 says this. The prudent see danger. I said this last week, but it's such a powerful verse. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. The first point is signs. You have to pay attention to the signs. You have to. Signs matter. We see signs in our lives every single day, do we not? Today I saw many different types of signs. I saw advertisements trying to get me to buy a lottery ticket or to to go to a certain doctor or try a specific restaurant. I saw gas price signs. I saw speed limit signs, and they do exist. Uh, I saw yield signs, signs signifying one way, signs signifying wrong way. And even signs reminding me to stop, right? I saw signs telling me where I was, Charleston, Marmette. I saw signs telling me what road I was on, I-77, I-64, Route 61. I saw those signs today. Do not miss the signs. Many days I traveled to Canole City or to Marmette. I'm always on this end of the valley a lot. My little car wash sticker. It's easier to go to Canole City and get my car washed six days a week. Come on, somebody. I see Roy down there getting his truck all shined up, right? I actually asked him, dude, I really like that car wash, by the way. I have about, all my cars have them. I go three or four times a week. I won't lie. I really do. I love it. Jesus loves me for it, too. I'm clean. <laughs> clean! Uh, but I asked the guy one day, I said, man, what's he said, dude, we've got people come here three or four times a day. They come three or four times a day. They'll get, like, a, a piece of pollen on their car, and they'll drive back in and get it washed. 
right? But it's unlimited. That's what it says. You pay a fee and it's unlimited. You can get it washed seven days a week, seven times a day if you want to, right? Unless you get the premium package. If you get the premium package, which is all the ceramics and all that stuff, that's what Paula has on hers, nice and shiny and pretty. Uh, but you can only do that, you can only do that one or, once or twice a day. They won't let you come seven times. But any other package, you can just go. So I'm in this area a lot. I'm on this side of the valley a lot. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving around. But it never, and I tell Claire, Claire gets, Claire has told you it's coming to a message near you. And Claire and I have this discussion every single time. And she's in the car with me. And I'll see a semi-truck right around Leon Sullivan Way in the far right-hand lane. I look at Claire and I said, she's not going to see the signs. He gets to the Greenbrier Street underpass. There's a big yellow sign. Exit only. That's what it says. That's all it says. Right lane, exit only. Dude, you're in the right lane. And I'm behind him. I'm like, it's not in the right lane. Didn't see the sign. Now they've actually, in the last 30 days, last 60 days, now they've got it painted on the road. Exit only. Two times. It's painted. Big old white. Exit only. Then you get a little closer. It's a yellow sign that says exit only. Then you get right up on the exit. Exit only. And I tell Claire all the time, and I'm right. How many times am I right? She says, well, maybe he's turning that. I said, no. Semis don't go through Canal City, especially right now. Right? right? I really think quarter G is going to be finished before Barbersville and Canal City. That new exit to, to Target and all that, it's going to be completely done. You'll be driving on it for two years before Canal City and, and I-64 West gets done. I really feel that way. I may be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll forget. I'll repent. But they miss the signs. It says exit only. and they. So why do we miss the signs? I think we're so focused on one task. We're so, we have what we call tunnel vision almost. Like we, all we want to see is what's ahead of us. But sometimes we miss on what's going on around us. It's actually not a safe space. I mean, how many of you ever... I, Scott drives a lot. I drive a lot for work. Mark drives a lot for work. Anybody else drive a lot for work? Yeah, I mean, I could go to Pittsburgh and back in the day for a meeting. I could run up to to Marietta area for a meeting and drive back two hours later. And there have been times I'm like, I'm coming back from Pittsburgh. And I get to Clendon, and I was like, I don't remember getting here. (laughs) Right? You ever done that? It's like, did I just drive two hours to get to Clendon from Morgantown? You know what I'm saying? I mean, some days I like that. That's scary. It's kind of scary. It means I'm so tunnel, I'm so focused on what's ahead of me that I'm missing on what's beside of me. And I think it's what happens on there on the interstate. I know it's not Ohio drivers because they got the left lane all hogged down. You know what I'm saying? There's never been an Ohio driver miss that sign because they're always in the left lane. Safe, not sorry. Just yesterday, I was driving up to Kamal City. I was actually coming to water the grass real quick. Yesterday morning, and uh, I had to get something at Lowe's. And there was, I passed Ohio driver. She was literally in this lane, came all the way over, three lanes, right before you get to Westmoreland. And then she was doing about 40 in the curve in the fast lane. And there was another Ohio driver behind her. I'm thinking, that's what you get. <laughs> I passed them both in the center lane. That's right. right? So I know there's no Ohio drivers hogging down there. That, they don't, they will never see that sign because they're always in the left lane. Right? <laughs> But the rest of the world, they, they miss the sign. They miss it. They miss it. That exit is just, I mean, there's so many warnings. So many warnings. Why do we miss the sign? One reason, because we're zoned out. 
we have what we call tunnel vision. We're so focused on something that we miss the signs around us. We're so busy, we miss it. Another reason we do not like the signs. I don't like the signs. Right? It's like a check engine light on your car. You put a piece of black tape on it, hoping it goes away. It'll fix itself! Maybe it's a gas cap, it might, because you put it back on next time you put gas in. We think if we don't see it, it'll go away. Then we see that sign that says, right lane closed a half a mile. How many of you ever seen one of those? And what do you do? Punch them. That's actually not what you should do. The whole reason it's trying to warn you, that's the reason it's a bottleneck in construction zones because everybody and their sister is trying to get as far as they can to the front and then get over to the last second. Then everybody that's in the right lane has to stop to let you in the lane that you knew the sign was telling you you didn't need to be in again with. Amen. It's facts. It's a really true story. When it says right lane closed a half a mile or a mile away, just get in the left lane. You're going to cause accidents, you're going to cause problems, you're going to cause headaches, and you might save 30 seconds. Right? We do that. Why? Because we're rushed. We miss the signs. Actually, we ignore the signs. And then what we do? We just ignore it. I did see one about a year ago. I got on Meek Shoals, and I was going down towards downtown, and it said, uh, lane closed ahead. And I got up there, and this side says left lane, and this side says right lane. I was like, which one is it? They must have had co-op for the summer. He didn't know which sign to put up. It literally said both lanes were closed, but the sign before it said there was only one lane closed. Right? But I get it. Signs sometimes can confuse us. Our greatest problem from an eternity standpoint is that signs are all pointing in the same direction. Both roads are marked the way to heaven, aren't they? Now, one road's lying, but they both say this is how you get to heaven. This is the road. Enter here, it says. Both destinations are labeled... Heaven. Yet we know that all paths do not lead to heaven. Our world is trying to convince us we're all okay. That God is love. And then we can all live heavily ever after in heaven. Floating on a cloud, strumming hard. That's what the signs say. All sign, not all signs are pointing you in the right way. The label means nothing. The direction does. One road looks smooth. The walking appears easy. It looks comfortable. You can take your stuff with you on that road. A few carry their burdens of sexual sin and partying and drunkenness or lies. But most are good people. They're good people. They're good people. They're all talking about Jesus along the way. They're still carrying pride and unbelief and bitterness and self-sufficiency or even false religious ideas. Not many on that road will criticize you as you walk with them. They're very tolerant. They're open-minded. After all, their baggage looks a lot like yours. This doesn't mean you're on the right path. It doesn't mean you're going the right direction. Signs are all around us. Everywhere we look, we see signs. They're pointing us. They're guiding us. They're warning us. My advice to you this morning, if you don't know where you're going, you've got to pay attention to the signs. Signs matter. Signs matter. Number two, last point for the day. We need to quit waiting for the alarm. Quit waiting for the alarm. 
I'm not an alarm guy, number one. I'm going to take my hearing aids out. The world kind of becomes silent. Not totally silent, but it takes a while to, to calibrate. And if I hear an alarm going off, it might take me. I, I think I've shared the story. I was in San Antonio, Texas about 10 years ago at a conference. And I took my hearing aids out. I was on the 10th floor of this big hotel. And I, at, the, at like 2 in the morning, I hear... And I, I thought somebody had set that alarm. It's my first night there. I thought somebody had set that alarm clock. And I was sitting there hitting that thing. it. And I rolled back over, went to sleep. A few minutes later, woke me up. I unplugged the stupid alarm clock and rolled back over and went to sleep, right? Next morning, I go downstairs and said, you evacuate the building for that bomb threat? <laughs> oh, I thought it was an alarm. <laughs> yeah, there was buzz in the whole building. I mean, it woke me up, but I rolled back over, right? But, but it shocks me as a pastor, as someone who's, who's been, um, who's worked at a, at a cemetery and, and, and worked with Greg back in the day at Canoa Valley and it just shocks you that, that a lot of people wait for a, a, a life-changing, life-altering event to wake them up. Someone dies. Something bad happens, right? They wait for the alarm to go off. Whoa, whoa, what's going on, right? And then they, then they, they try to find their bearings, right? How many of you know when the alarm goes off and it's not, you're not expecting it, it takes you a while to find your bearings, doesn't it? I mean, you're walking around, you're like, where, where, where am I, right? You get a little scared. The Bible here says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. How many of you live, how many of you wake up with an alarm every morning? You, the alarm clock wants to wake you up. It's fair. No shame in the alarm game, if you can hear it, which uh, so I can't. Uh, I know most people, they dread the alarm, don't they? Some of you, and we get a holiday, it's a holiday weekend for most people. Maybe you're in the medical field and you have to work tomorrow, or maybe you have to work tonight, and it's not a holiday weekend for you, right? Or maybe you work at a plant, and this is your shift this weekend. This is your weekend to work. It doesn't matter if it's Memorial Day, it's just how it rolls out. Right, but most of us get tomorrow off, so there's no alarm. But man, Monday night, you've got to set it because you've got to get up on Tuesday after a three-day weekend. It's terrible, right? You're dreading setting the alarm. But you know what? The alarm alarms you, it awakens you from your sleep. Five more minutes, hit the snooze button. Of course, we talked about that a few weeks ago on Wednesday night. That, that, uh, writing, or that article came out. It actually says you're, you're in an adventure. If you hit that snooze button, you actually could get yourself back in a deep sleep which actually messes up your entire sleep, which actually makes you feel worse than you actually did when you woke up the first time. Crazy. That's a true story. But here we are. We keep hitting the snooze. Now, let's be honest. Our bodies, we we need rest, don't we? Our bodies do need rest. Makalati, we do need rest. God rested on the seventh day of creation is what it says. God created everything and He rested. He took the day off to rest. He designed us to rest as well. I feel this is both spiritual and physical. We need rest. We need to have some downtime. But in today's world, we have it all wrong. Rest is not always sleep. Right? Some of you, how many of you are going to go home today and it's a kind of a rainy, gray day, and you're going to go home and take a nap? How many of you are going home today and take a nap? If I took a nap today, I would not sleep tonight. Just how I'm wired. I couldn't go to bed tonight. I'd be like, you know, I'll just stay up. This is what I do. Right? But in today's world, it's more than sleep. That's what the Bible here is talking about in 1 Thessalonians. I can be resting and still be wide awake, can I? I can be laying on a beach. Wouldn't that be sweet right now? Uh, I can be chilling on the deck and be resting, but I'm not asleep. Rest is not always sleeping. 
Most people today think that way, rest equals sleep. That's not what it does. And that's what the Bible here says in 1 Thessalonians, the second point today. We need to not allow the alarm to be what sets us off, or to what motivates us, to what pushes us, or what drives us. We need to be awake to realize where we're going. Yet so many people wait for an alarm to go off before they realize where they are. We live in a world that desperately needs to see something is real, and His name is Jesus Christ. They need to see something that is alive, something with a purpose, something with purposeful destination. Jesus brings that to our lives. It's time to wake up. We live in a time where it's necessary to be awake. The world around us is spinning out of control. We shouldn't be asleep at the wheel. First Thessalonians here tells us that while the norm is sleep, we are to be awake. While everyone else is napping, we are to be alert on our guard and ready to change the world around us. When we are awake, we see the signs and we know where we're going. You can't get anything done while you're asleep either, can you? You can't work, can't play ball, can't watch TV. If you're really asleep, you can't do any of those things. But in the spiritual, we should never be asleep. It's time to awaken from our sleep. What did Petra say? The sleeping giant gets a wake-up call. That's a pretty good song, actually. Pastor Eusper, I have that cassette. You have a cassette player anymore? We're going to find you one. Amen. There's two points I want to bring to you today. You've got to see the signs. And you've got to quit living your life waiting for an alarm to shock us, to wake us from our sleep. The Bible says in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's how that chapter ends. When there was no, no one leading you, when there was no one guiding you, when there was no one directing you, you just do what's right in your own eyes. Right? Where are you going? It's easy to do what you think is right, but is your right leading you in the right direction? Does your right have you heading the right way? Where are you going? Maybe you're not where you want to be. The good news is you don't have to stay where you are. You can change the direction of your life. We all want a good story. We all want a good ending. When we think about our lives, the best story and the best ending starts with Jesus. And it ends with Jesus. Remember that plane we talked about a little bit ago? It was off one degree north the entire flight. One degree. Just a degree. It ended up 1,600 miles from where it was supposed to land. All because someone didn't correct the flight pattern. Didn't correct the flight path. So I asked you this morning, maybe you feel close enough. One degree will send you somewhere you never wanted to go. 